Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Our teaching text today is from the book of Luke, which is the third book in the New Testament, chapter 23. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible's kind of split into two halves. There's the Old Testament, which is before Jesus came to the earth. And there's the New Testament, which includes four books at the beginning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of the life of Jesus. If you're just starting to read your Bible, those are great books to read just to get to know the story of Jesus. And then there are some teaching books after that. So we're in Luke 23. And the opening thought this weekend is I was reminded of my grandfather who had a saying that many of you will have not heard, but some of you might. He would say this. He would say, it's as easy as falling off a log. Anybody ever heard anyone use that? Some of us maybe that are older. Uh, Basically, the implication of the saying was it indicated the simplicity of the assignment, like Anybody can fall off a log. Anybody can do this. Synonymous sayings today might be no sweat, no brainer. Uh, Somebody shared with me one 15 minutes ago. It's like ah, a piece of cake. If you've ever golfed, there's a gimme, which means it's so close to the hole, everybody can make that putt. It's a gimme. I don't really understand the next one, but I think it's supposed to mean it's easy like shooting fish in a barrel. That's a real visual for me. (laughs) Boom. Well, that was easy. Yeah. Or maybe the most recent I've heard, is this a thing? Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Is that, have you ever heard that? Okay, all right, so you get the idea. It's the idea of some things are so easy that Really, like no one could mess them up. It's like easy peasy. Give you an example. First one to raise their hand gets 20 bucks. Oh, right here. Some of you are mad now because you're like, I was so hard. So that was like what I would call an easy peasy 20 bucks, right? That's easy peasy. Some of you are like, oh, I'm coming next service. (laughs) Do it. Easy peasy. I don't care. That'll work. Another thing I was thinking practically, there are some things that are just that easy. Tater tots. I can make them. (laughs) Serious. I can nail the tater tot recipe. I bought my wife an air air flyer, which is... (laughs) it's, It's like this drone type of oven that brings me tater tots, and so I bought her one. (laughs) What did I say? Anyway, I bought my wife an air fryer for Christmas because I wanted one. Has they ever done that? Okay, anyway. But anyway, I can can nail the whole tater tot baking thing. Um, Easy peasy is the idea. Spiritual shift. I think that there are some things in our spiritual lives that are actually supposed to be easy. Now, not everything, can we admit it? Not everything is easy. We have a very real enemy. 
We also have our own junk. We have our flesh that fights against spiritual things, that tends toward sinful things at times. Anybody admit you have sinful tendencies? Did, did you not all raise your? How amazing. Oh, you're amazing. Okay. Right? And so it's hard to do spiritual disciplines and to honor God at times. But there are some things I think that are supposed to be fairly easy. Prayer, which is just talking to God, should be easy. And where we're going to land today is the idea of the gospel, receiving Jesus Christ, being forgiven for your sin. I believe God made it simple enough that we should be able to do it easily. A couple Bible verses. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that's pretty easy, call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Revelation 3.20, here's the image that Jesus lays out about himself. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Jesus also describes himself as the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Salvation is another word we could insert here. Salvation is not supposed to be complicated. It's supposed to be easy. How many of you know Jesus? If you don't know this, Jesus did the heavy lifting for your and my forgiveness of sin. That's true. And yet, with the ease and all the work that Jesus did on the cross for our salvation, there will be many, 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 many people who will not receive Christ and enter into a life with the forgiveness of sin and ultimately be forgiven so that we can get into perfection heaven. There'll be people who don't get there. So, hold that thought. We're in a series called Drifters. When wandering turns into tragedy, and today we're going to look at a very sad verse to me. Uh, primary character is a man who I think was, the scene was laid out for him to receive Christ and go to heaven, and he misses it. It's the story of, there's t few characters, but there are two criminals that are crucified with Jesus when Jesus was crucified, one on the right and one on the left. You've probably heard that. It's Jesus crucified, all right? And so both of these guys are in virtually the same situation. They, they're guilty by law. They have been convicted, judged. Now they have been uh, sentenced to execution. They have been beaten, and now they're hanging on the cross, and Jesus is in the middle, and both of them, same situation, they're both like hanging 10 feet-ish from Jesus. And the story is going to describe one of them, by the way, 10 feet from Jesus, the 
deity, God, man, who came to earth because he cares so much that he wanted to save people. They're that close, and they're going to die that day. One of them goes to heaven. The other one misses it. Luke 23, 32. One other side note. The primary narrative here is about Jesus being crucified, but Luke is an exceptional gospel telling the story of Jesus. I think all the gospels mentioned there were two thieves or criminals that were crucified with Jesus. But Luke tells us a little bit more about these two guys. So beginning in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, sorry, with him, that's Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, that's Jesus, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. A little pause there. Isn't it amazing? Jesus is hanging on the cross, bloody. He's about to die, and he is still trying to extend forgiveness to people. Verse 39 tells us a little bit more about the two criminals. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. That's Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. You know what? Did I miss a section? Yeah, let's go back. That's the first mistake I've made (laughs) in the last minute and a half. Okay, can we go back? Let's go back a couple slides. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Are we there? Yeah. Okay. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at Jesus. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. Now, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we're getting what our our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. By the way, he's absolutely right. He's done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That guy, paradise. Other guy, missed it. Title of the talk is A Thief, Missing the Opportunity of a Lifetime, and I want to explore two mistakes that I think this thief made. We're going to call him the hell-bound thief. You got the heaven-bound thief and the hell-bound thief. We would be better off to be the heaven-bound thief. Amen? All right. So let's look at a couple principles that can help that, I think. Father, I've got some notes here. I think there are things that you have led me to say, but mostly if you're not our teacher, if you don't send your spirit, then this will be a waste of time. So we need you to guide us. 
speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas. The hellbound thief, here's a mistake, engaged God aggressively. Engaged God, Jesus. By the way, Jesus was God in the flesh. He engaged Jesus or God aggressively. We'll just jump right to the verse. One of the criminals who hung there, here's what he did. (laughs) He hurled insults at Jesus. Bad move. Not a good plan. By the way, this hurl insults at him, in the original language, it means to, by the way, it's pronounced blasphemio, something like that. Sounds like blaspheme, right? It's the same word, I'm assuming. It means to slander, to speak profanely of sacred things. Jesus is a sacred thing. It means to use abusive language. I looked a little deeper into the definition, and part of it painted the picture of railing on someone. You ever railed on anyone? The other day I was railing on just, it really wasn't a person. It was just grocery store prices. You ever, like, I just remember going, you got to be kidding me. $6 for a bag of chips? Lord, help us. It was, I don't know, it was just this mostly all internal. Have you ever railed on anybody, anything? Okay, come on, be real. Young people, you ever railed on those old people? Like, oh, come on. All you got to do is get the app on your, what? You don't have a, the app on your, how old are you? Right? Or old people, you ever rail on the young people? How many apps can you have? What, what, you know how we just, just rail on things? So anyway, this criminal is railing on Jesus. And by the way, he's, I don't think he, it was his idea, because in the text earlier, it describes the leaders. Some of them were, uh, we'll put the text up. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at Jesus. So these are some people on the ground, probably a group of people. They're sneering. It's not the same word as the blasphemio, but it's a harsh word. It means to scornfully reject, to to blow someone off. I love it when they give us imagery. It's like expelling mucus out of the nose. Okay, ready for a demonstration? No. But like, so there, there's this group of people looking at Jesus and going, sorry. But there's this group of people being disrespectful, you know, ah, Jesus, if he's the son of God, let him save himself. This attitude thing. And then the guy on the cross just does the same thing. Yeah, I I imagine him going, yeah, come on, man. If If you're all that, then save yourself and save me too. Why aren't you? So here's the silliness of 
the hellbound thief. You can write this in. The thief mistakenly thought yelling at Jesus would work. And we'll spend just a minute or two reminding ourselves, yelling at God, being disrespectful to God, is never going to work. By the way, I think we can cry out to Him, Lord, help us. Lord, I need God. I'm... But if it switches to yelling at, that's not a good plan. Um, there's, a, there's a book in the Bible called Job. And Job goes through some trials. And at one point, Job begins to he must have crossed the line into disrespectfully asking God questions. God, why don't you do this? And why did you do this? And I never deserve this. And, and at one point it says God intervenes and the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And I think God had enough. And he says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you. And, he, and within a few sentences, Job realizes, oops, I, I probably shouldn't have done that. And the Lord says, he doesn't say this, but it's like, dang right. <laughs> Did you forget who you're talking to? So here, there's a few applications here. One little side thing, there's nothing to write down. But I do think that it's important for us to watch out for the the cultural flow of disrespecting God. This would be the group that's standing um, and sneering at him that maybe provoked the criminal to the idea of, yeah, I'll just jump on the bandwagon and yell at Jesus. And I think we live in a culture where it's fairly common for people to you know, of God's all that, and, and I'm, I'm never, I've heard this one, I'll never follow God who, who does blah, 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 right, and this really aggressive attitude kind of a thing. I just think we need to be cautious that that doesn't affect us, and if we're participating in that, we should tone that way down, because um, that's a bad place to go. And then a couple things to write down. These are challenges or hints, I think, on your handout. Evaluate your spiritual posture. This is just that challenge or reminder to stay reverent in our interactions and thoughts about God. Stay reverent, stay respectful, stay humble. That will propel your spiritual life to a good place. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And there's one point where Jesus tells a parable. It's actually, it's got to be one of my favorite parables, or it reminds me of something really good. And uh, it's, uh, I'll just, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to mess you up now because it's not going to be on the screen. And so some of you are like, sorry, can't function. It's got to be on the screen. But calm down. Did you know that Jesus did not have television and projectors when he did this? Really? Yeah, he was amazing. Um, But he tells this parable, 
And notice the two different postures. There's two men involved, and one of them has a, a posture that doesn't work, and the other one really uh, uh, does something great in his life. So Jesus says, two men went up, up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, the other, a tax collector. So just picture that. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So he's kind of into himself. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's the punchline. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the second guy, the guy who says, I'm a mess, have mercy on me. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. It's forgiven. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Second posture, humble posture, opens amazing spiritual doors. By the way, it opens the door to forgiveness. So evaluate your spiritual posture. And the second point, I'm not sure how, you'll have to figure out how to work this out, but I'm going to give you an idea. Uh, Interject some spiritual caution. Now go with me on this. This is something amazing that the heaven-bound thief does. Let's say he's on this side, Jesus is here, and then there's the hell-bound guy. The hell-bound guy attacks Jesus, right? Come on, Jesus. If you're all that, save yourself and save me. And then the heaven-bound guy, he says to him, it says about him, this guy rebukes the other guy and says, don't you fear God? He's like, whoa, are you, what are you doing? Don't you fear God? You're attacking this in it. Does that make sense? So here's the thought. Two thoughts. I wonder what that was like for Jesus in that moment. To have someone arguably intervene and kind of come to his defense. Can we admit, this is a huge understatement, Jesus has had like the worst day ever. Right? Worst day ever. All of his disciples have left him. These are people he came to save. They're all yelling at him. He's been beat so badly that he, and then whipped so much that he really was just barely alive anyway. And they hang him on the cross. Now people are yelling at him. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. And then you got the right guy right next to him going, yeah, yeah. And this guy, like, has Jesus back. He says, whoa, do you not? I imagine, like, will you just leave him alone? And here's what I wonder. If Jesus did not, we, had, we don't know. But in that moment, whether Jesus did not think That is the nicest thing anyone has done for me in a long time. Do you see how? And he was pushing back against the offense 
that this guy was portraying, doing to Jesus. And so here's the, here's the idea. I wonder if it's, a t- if, if it's time, sometimes, for Christians to be just a little more aggressive when people are disrespecting and attacking the, our Savior. Now, we got to sort through this. But I wonder if sometimes when so-and-so is railing on, you know, God, using God's name, you know, the 16th time in 30 minutes, whether it wouldn't be helpful for the sake of that person and maybe to honor God just to say, could you just think a little bit about what you're saying there? And maybe even interject, do you not fear God at all? Think about that. For the sake of the person, wouldn't it be great if maybe they got their cage rattled a little bit? Like, are you not thinking at all? What? We probably know people who are doing evidently ugly, hurtful, sinful things regularly. Anybody got a friend like that? Any of us ever do stuff like that? Just so we're all being real, right? Wouldn't it be helpful in my life, it would be helpful in my life if every once in a while someone who was aware of a sin or a, uh, to say, Mark, Mark, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you thinking about that? Do you not fear God? I, I had a friend one time who was, um, was having an affair. He was about to leave his wife and his three little kids. And I had the privilege of, I said, we, let's talk. What are you doing? And I remember his name was Joel. And I said to him, I don't do this well, but I said to him at one point, aren't you scared of God? And, it, and he actually, we talked a, little, a couple times, and it, he actually repented. And I think maybe it had to do with the interjection into his life of, oh, I don't, yeah, dude, are you kidding me? You're going to go shack up with her while, and your wife and your kid? I'd be afraid of God if I were you. Now, by the way, that's application for us too. You know what would help us all probably? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We would all be a little smarter if we raised the level at times of being a little more concerned about what God thinks. Make sense? And let's think about it as a church, interjecting with other people. Let's try to do it prayerfully, honorably, but sometimes just maybe we need to say, you, you, you might, you might want to think before you do that because that's horrible what you're talking about doing. There, you figured out. Help us, Lord. Can we pray for a minute? God, help us. Help us. Boy, if we could say something to someone that might make them consider eternity, and we would like to try. And help us to have an adequate fear of the Lord. All right. Amen. First, so that was just the point number one. Second point's going to be really quick. Uh, the other thing is the hellbound thief missed a super simple prayer. Super simple prayer. We'll jump right to, sorry, you got to write that down. Super simple prayer. The heavenbound guy said, Jesus, 
remember me when you come into your kingdom. Is that not simple? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. By the way, it's not super theological. He doesn't say, I realize that you are the incarnation of deity in the flesh. And now, according to God's pre-written plan in the Scripture, you have done everything right. And that he doesn't know any of that. He just knows, I think you're the key to, will you remember me when you, isn't that something? It's not super theological. Um, what else I think? Oh, there's no bargaining. He doesn't say, Jesus, I'll repay all the stuff that I stole. Because he can't do that. He's not coming off. He can't, he can't pay his way. He can't even repent his way through restitution, anything he's done. He can't offer Jesus anything except for, I could sure use a lot of help. And I'm not even sure it was all that emotional. It may have been just, would you? This is the way I picture him. Like, I know you're busy, Jesus, but do you have just, could you give me just a little help? Because I am messed up. And that was his prayer of salvation. How many of you, I know a lot of you are saved. You've had a time where you cried out to God. You said, Jesus, I need a Savior. A lot of those prayers, aren't they not really simple? We don't even know what we were saying. My salvation prayer was something like, I need a bunch of help. And it opened the door. That was what, it opened the door to the kingdom of God. It opened the door to transform life. It opened the, it, 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 but it was just really Simple, but incredibly powerful. So here's something to write down. The difference between heaven and hell can be one sentence. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. It's not all that complicated. We're going to finish our time with, a, since we have kind of talking about simple with a really, because I'm kind of a simple music person, with a really simple song that reminds, some of you are thinking, he plays the guitar? <laughs> no, not too much. <laughs> Do we got it coming out? This is a little chorus that I was reminded of. Um, like the simplicity of the gospel, the fact that Jesus is our Savior, and we should be, there's two things. We should be grateful that he made it simple. And the other thing for you to think about, if you've never prayed the simple prayer, like, Jesus, I need help, and I need to say, you can do it. It goes, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free.
do it again. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Let's just pray. Thanks for making it simple, Lord. Thanks for doing all the heavy lifting. I thank you for your heart that would look at a messed up criminal and when he would just look to you and say, would you remember me? Your thought without hesitation was today. You'll be with me in paradise. So help us to live lives that keep opening the door to your goodness in our life. Help us to stay humble. And I pray that in the midst of all the ideas that we talked about in the last 25 minutes, you'd help them to have traction in our life that we might be good salt and light in the earth and to the world. We might be truly helpful to the people around us that also need a Savior. We might be people that honor you well. And we hope our time here at church today was just really pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.